0: Rocio, and I am first-generation Dominican.
1: Hi, I'm Mercedes, and I was born in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. And we are Amplifying the Afro in in Afro-Dominican. Hey, Rocio. Hey, Mercedes. What's up? How are you? I'm good. Good to see you. It's so good to see you. What's going on in these podcast streets? Well... I have to say that I'm
0: really excited that we started our Patreon.
1: Yes, and that we
0: have our first 3 patrons. Woo-hoo! And I want to give them all a huge shout out and a thank you. We have Dora Mendez as a
1: patron. We have Nabil Vinyas as a patron, and who else was there, Mercedes? Nadia Duran, all the way from Germany.
0: Yes, because remember, y'all, we international up in here, Rocio Mercedes podcast. And what's Patreon, Rocio? So Patreon is a website where you can donate small amounts of money to help us produce this podcast. And it's just really, really,
1: really small monthly donations to help us keep going. Yeah, because, you know, shit adds up. Mics, editing and sound and all that stuff. It does take a village, y'all. Yeah, it really does. And another way you could help if you can't
0: help monetarily,
1: I think that's right. Yeah, you got it. Yes, you got it. If you (laughs) you can't help with some money, you could, you know, send us a review, do a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us. Share your favorite episodes with your friends. Download episodes, even if you don't listen to them at that moment. Just download them. Keep them up in your library.
0: Yes, and of course, review us. Did
1: you say review us already? I think you did. Yeah, I did. Okay.
0: <laughs> and of course, follow us on Instagram, Rocio Mercedes. Give us a shout via email, mercio mercedes at gmail.com, or tweet at us at RNM Podcasts.
1: Yes. And thank you to everyone who's participated in our giveaways.
0: Yes, and we have a really excited giveaway coming up soon, Yes, and I'll give you a little hint. It's about some uh, skincare products are coming our way, so be on the lookout, y'all. A new giveaway is coming.
1: We're getting some real juicy giveaways, really good ones coming up. Yeah. So what's up with you, Mercedes? So, oh my gosh, Rocio, wait, question for you. Yeah, what's up? So recently, you know, Dominican independence just passed, And I wanted to know, do you celebrate Dominican Independence Day?
0: I'm going to admit to you, girl, I didn't even know it was Dominican Independence Day. And, you know, a girl's almost 40, you know what I'm saying? But we never celebrated it at home and I never knew. And I noticed, you know, in February when it happened, all of the stuff going on on social media, though, about Dominican Independence Day.
1: Do you celebrate it? I mean, what I do is I just usually just play my favorite merengues and, Mm -hmm. you know, eat my favorite dish. But I'm aware of it. Yeah.
0: But you don't celebrate it like your family doesn't celebrate it? No.
1: Like they don't go out. We acknowledge it. We acknowledge it, you know, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's definitely like a day of joy celebrating that, you know? Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, there was this like post slash article going around on social media about what it means to be Afro-Dominican or Afro-Latino and recognize Dominican Independence Day. Did you read that?
1: Yes, I saw parts of it. Shout out to Incultured Co. for Mm. posting it. The title was What to the Afro-Dominican is the 27th of February. So if y'all haven't checked it out, check it out. It's very detailed. It's really informative. And it gives us some information that, you know, I didn't really know all this stuff.
0: Yeah, I didn't know either. And also I have to admit this whole time, I thought it was Encultura and it's in cultured code.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. They, they put great yeah, information really awesome. on there about our Dominican history, especially when it has to do with Haiti. Yeah. You know, which is, you know, a lot of people don't merge the two. And I don't know if you can have Dominican Republic without having Haiti. Yeah, exactly.
0: In that little post, which I thought was interesting, is how it was basically the white elite in Dominican Republic from the colonizers that came in, created that separation on purpose to just basically an anti-Black movement to separate. Dominican Republic and Haiti even further, and that it actually wasn't an Independence Day. It was just like the separation that they declared, according to that post. Did you read that?
1: I skimmed through it. But I used to think Dominican Independence Day was just being independent from Spain, to be honest. And I didn't realize that there's more to it when it comes to, I guess, it's being independent from Haiti. Yeah, I guess so, maybe. like you said, the separation of Haiti. And then it makes you think, like, I saw these posts saying that, you know, I don't know, that Dominican Independence Day is more of an anti-black movement. Oh, wow. Because it's acknowledging the separation from anything having to do. That's not my opinion. That's what I saw on Instagram. Yeah, no, no, no. But it made me think about that because I honestly just went along with, okay, yeah, it's Dominican Independence Day, but what does that really mean? And yes, we are celebrating being independent and and all of that stuff, but I feel like I need to do more reading and learn more about my history. You know what? I think I do too.
0: It's so funny. We had that crazy, amazing episode with Anthony stevens Asavero, but I wonder if we should have somebody else come back in who knows a little bit more about this that we could find out, start learning some more.
1: Yeah, I definitely think so. I know that Dominican Writers is, you know, doing a really dope book club, history of Dominican Republic book club. And every month they have a new book that has to do with learning and diving deep. So they just had their first session with Professor Remy. Shout out to him. Thank you Mm -hmm. so much for doing that. And they have another one in April that's going to dive deeper into the actual like a book on the Dominican Republic. Oh, cool. What book are you reading now again? I didn't hear. Yeah, now I have to go get it <laughs> <laughs> Frank Moya Pons is the author. I know mm. that's the next book that they're reading. But the last book that they read was called The Last Jacobins. And it had to do with the Haitian Revolution. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, the Black Jacobins, by C.L.R. James. That's the uh, recent book that they just read. And then the next book, which is in April, the next class, mm-hmm. is by an author called Frank Moya Pons. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, that's exciting.
0: I might join this book club. The last, the Black Jacobins. It sounds good.
1: I'll put the exact title in our notes on our podcast and stuff so you guys can check it out. Yeah, for sure. I want to get the well, exact name.
0: Speaking of haiti and haitians
1: we have a really cool guest with us yes i'm so excited to have this conversation because there's just you know growing up there's just been so much with haiti dominican and all this crap and you Mm -hmm. know I, i am a firm believer of just you know why can't we just unite and be one and we're the same we're both the same you know we're the same yeah so I'm excited that we have Claravel on today to have this conversation. Yeah, and totally. And what she's Clarevel, doing and the work she's doing. Yeah. Clarivelle Ruiz and, and
0: the creation of the movement and the nonprofit Dominican Loves Haitians.
1: So I'm super excited. Why don't we introduce her to the audience, Mercedes? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Clarivelle was raised in New York City on the ancestral bones and covered shrines of the Lenape people. Clarivelle's art practice is to decolonize and unravel the racialized framework we live in to heal wounds created by Eurocentrism. In 2016,
0: Gladivelle initiated Dominican Love Haitians Movement, an art-based nonprofit organization where Gladivelle uses various art modalities to unlearn racism and decolonize. The goal is to celebrate our commonalities and honor our differences. Art is the pathway for community healing, enabling us to envision and create a new future. I'm super excited about this conversation. Me so, too. let's get Gladiwell on the line. Let's do it. We are so excited very to have you. You have no idea how much we've been looking forward to speaking with you. And I know it's been a little bit of a back and forth trying to schedule with you and stuff, but we've been really, really looking forward to this. Like ever since we started this podcast, like pre-planning, we were like, we have to talk about mm-hmm. this topic, basically. And you are the perfect person to talk yes. to about it.
2: We hope so. We know what we know, but yeah. we... <laughs> There's always so much to know, to be informed about the discovery of the truth. Yes. That's like a never ending process. But we know we can definitely talk about our personal experience and the things that we are in discovery about and recognizing that literally is like every day there is something new that you learn or you uncover. And that's the most important thing. Yes, as for us, when we're inside of doing, we like to call it, you know, unlearning racism and decolonizing, you know, there's a lot of information that we weren't privy to yeah. here, you know, growing up here in the United States and New York City with the educational system that we have. So there's a lot of information to, you know, 500 plus years <laughs> of information to uncover Yeah, little by little, allow it to seep into your consciousness and also allowing your body and your spirit to heal from these things that you learn. Mm -hmm. And you understand how the impact to our community and who we are right now. Like, uh, you know, how those things have impacted who we get to be right now and also the creation of that we get to we also get to choose once we have information at our hands that we can choose other ways, other pathways of being
1: Mm -hmm.
2: as a society being consciously Together as a society, without the construction, the hierarchy that we live in currently. Yeah. So yeah. So we're really <laughs> excited to be here and to have this conversation and just to talk a little bit of whatever we know. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> so let's talk about the movement.
2: Why? Oh uh, yeah, movement... Dominicans of Haitians yes. movement. Yeah. So we like to say that the inception of it started really in 2009, mm-hmm. and it did. That was like a really big moment in our life. And yes. We Claribel Ruiz. We go by we, us, you, right? And so most of the time when we distinguish that, there may be moments where because language is Mm -hmm. messy as it is, that we will attempt to have people understand that it's we're talking about ourselves. Like we'll use that personally and, and things of that nature. There may be time where we do use an I here or there just for clarity's sake because it might be difficult to talk about something in a particular way. So yeah, when we started in 2009, it was the first time that our we traveled as an adult and that our father at this point in his life wanted to go back. He was like, mm. I'm done. I'm done with New York City. I'm done with New York, the United States. We want to go back home. And he was in his 70s. And I think all of our parents, people who are first generation, well, we'll talk from personally what we've seen as people in our family, those who have been working here and lived here as immigrants, that there's a desire to go back home, right? That yeah, there's a desire mm-hmm. to buy property and be well off after working, you know, hard here and going back to wherever it is, you know, specifically going back to the Dominican Republic to just live out their life. And so we think that that came point in our father's life. It was just like, we want to go back. We want to live the rest of our life in the Dominican Republic. So in 2009, we went as an adult and it was the first time listening to his story that he actually allowed us into a secret that he'd been walking with for like 70 plus years, which is that his grandmother was Haitian. And it was the first time we had ever heard about this. Mm. And while we had been videotaping our mother, one of our backgrounds is media making. Uh, We were documenting our mother and our mother was talking about how much she loved him. This was the man of her dreams. And so in the moment where he said our grandmother, his grandmother is Haitian, she goes, "Ah, I would have known that. I never would have married you. And it but, was like, oh, hold oh up a my second. God. This is supposed to be the man of your dreams. <laughs> this is the man of your dreams, even though, and we say this, even though he's a womanizer, he had been a womanizer in his life and also an alcoholic. And it's just like, but because he's Haitian, you wouldn't marry him. And it was in that moment that we were just like, this is sick. This is a real yeah. illness. Yeah. And there have been other incidents that led up to this big moment of being <laughs> like... Yeah. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Estoy right. This is really like the yeah. craziest whatever, you know, mental state that we could possibly be in Mm -hmm. for someone to say of all the things that have happened in your life with this human being, this is the one thing that would keep you from marrying him. It was just like, okay, so this is what we're dealing with. This right here is what we are all conditioned and living in Mm -hmm. and we need to do something about it. And so it was just like, okay, Claudia, this is it. This is your purpose. Here is a purpose that you can live inside of. And by means, at this point, we don't know everything, like we said, because there's so much to keep uncovering and unpacking people who theorists and history from various points. But we've been doing our due diligence to really like personally uncover what the the things that have happened and why people behave that the way that they do. Mm -hmm. And so it's a learning process every day. Dominicans Love Haitians movement, it literally started in 2009 in the galeria with our parents. The, yeah. the seed was planted. And then afterwards, after the earthquake in conversation with a, a good friend of ours, they traveled to Haiti to take photos. And so Atibon and Regime Romain, they're both artists. And um, they went back to Haiti to support and to also do artwork. And when they came back, one of the things, Atibon set up um, a T-shirt company called Brooklyn Loves Haiti. And we were very much inspired by his T-shirt and the message and in conversation with our friend Regine. We were like, oh, you know, it really is about Dominicans Love Haitians movement. So Dominicans Love Haitians movement, the name in itself, came up in conversation with these incidents that happened early on, 2009 Traveling to the Dominican Republic 2010 with the earthquake in Haiti and in conversation finally being like, oh, what is most important inside? um, We were reading Grace Lee Boggs and her conversation about that. When you say something that you're saying something for. Mm. Like in the creation of the declaration of the thing that you want to see. And so for us, inside of saying Dominicans of Haitians movement, it was literally like our vibration is shifting how we see each other and what's possible in the world. I just think it's so interesting that
0: when I have many stories growing up and, you know, being a Black Dominican, and I just was always curious about those people who look like me, who sounded differently from Dominican Republic, but like had this like dumbfounded look when they realized that I was Dominican. I'm like, you do realize you look just like me, right? We have the same African heritage. I didn't say that at the moment, but I'm thinking it in my head. Like, I, you know, I know I'm from New York and I'm like in theater. So I have like a specific way I speak and stuff. You know, my Spanish isn't great, but it's there. But it's still baffles me that someone who could potentially be my cousin like literally has the same hair texture as me has a similar face you know and they're from dominican republic and they're just like no there's no way you could be
2: listen that was one of the incidents that happened with my sister's mother-in-law literally in her house she's very dark-skinned and she's like mira think without you know Don't go to that corner because in that corner the Haitians are there. And I looked at her. Yeah. And I was just like, in in our mind, it was like, so how do you distinguish you from who you say is at the corner? And I was like, what so what's because (laughs) like, like the locura of like, hold up, if someone were to look at you, they wouldn't think that you're not Haitian too, then. Yeah. And then being like, how could you possibly say this? Like, it felt horrible to be in the presence of that kind of prejudice and Mm -hmm. bigotry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was terrible to hear my sister's brother-in-law say something like that and being like, you know, there's just this fallacy around what it looks like to be Dominican and what it looks like to be Haitian. Mm, and mm-hmm. the fallacy is that, you know, everyone who's Dominican is fair skinned and it's purposeful. They've created yeah. that, you know, yes. that totally. narrative purposely to yes. whiten the Dominican Republic, to have it the perception that is a much more whiter European country versus, you know, they talk about Haiti as being, you know, black. And apparently as if we weren't all, you know, part of the same system of colonization, right? Mm -hmm. Like where there were Europeans on both sides of the island. Yeah. And intermixing and intermingling. And, you know, there was a a whole Creole system as well. But this is the narrative that keeps getting reinforced, which is that there are less Black people in the Dominican Republic. And that's just not the reality. that's 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 not the case. Wait, did we say that correctly? That there are more white people in the Dominican Republic and less Black people when that's incorrect, right? Yeah. That's not the truth. People want to always constantly revise history for their own purposes. Yeah. And so it's important for that history to be known, to be well known, because it was what set everything off.
0: Yeah. And I'm curious what you think about those Dominicans, because another thing that I get a lot is, oh, no, 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 no. you're not Black, you're Indigenous, like Taino, but... I always think in my head, like,
2: I'm pretty sure they don't exist anymore. I think they were wiped out. So there are people who do have Taino, like, ancestry. Yes. But yes. The, uh, the amount of Taino ancestry or indigenous ancestry, it's like, what, 4%, 3%? Come
0: yeah, on. that's what I'm saying. It's like, and I'm not trying to sound bad or, like, harsh or anything like that. But like you said, it was a genocide. They did wipe most of those people out and the people who did kind of survive, if they weren't murdered right away or killed by disease, they were forced to work and killed uh, that well, way, you know? Well, they like, were also
2: forced to marry the, or they were forced to have children or they were forced to have, uh Ah, you know, yeah. Okay. So oh. they there were those who did have children and it was passed on. Okay. So, so, you know, there were those who also ran to the mountains. There were those who, you know, left to other islands. There were those who intermarried.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: It's not to say that know people are no longer in existence. Okay, just there may be those, you know, who may look more indigenous than other people because there might be a throwback, or you know, like oh, you look like your great great grand. <laughs> you know, like it's all possible. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, it's all it's all possible. We think it's not one of those things where we don't like to think because we know ancestrally, like we honor our ancestors, and we do know that our ancestors are also indigenous, right? Yeah, of course. Because blood is blood. And you know who are your people in some respect or who come to you, who are attached to you. Mm -hmm. One of the things, have you ever read Don Miguel Ruiz? Mm -hmm. He's written The Four Agreements. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the things he said, because he was like, yeah, we don't look like we're Mexican. We look like more like we're from India. Uh, And one of the things that he would talk about is the fact that there was something that happened in his past Life that wasn't complete, which is why he looked more like he was from India than he looked like he was Mexican, because there was something that he needed to work through to complete in a past life. So, you know, mm-hmm. there could be many theories for like, oh, <laughs> we don't want to throw that in there. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, because there are people who could look more indigenous, you know, like there yeah. I, we see people who are like, you look more like what we would think a Taino looks like. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I was just saying it because for me, it felt like just another excuse to get away from blackness as opposed, you know what I mean? Like. Totally, that
2: excuse is from Trujillo, right? Like he he was stripping away anything that that was related to being African, anything that talks about being Black. He was stripping that away, definitely. And also inside of our language system to say that so one of the things that we've been like kind of theorizing about is why is there a refusal to say que yo soy negro? Yeah. Because most times time people will say, well, moreno, you know, they'll use something else than just saying Some negro, other right? slang, yeah. There's this thing, their tone about that word. But in uh, using the word negro, because negro is what? Does that mean that being negro means being un eclavo? You know, being a slave, mm. being yeah. a slave, being a slave, that history. And for one, for us, we're like, we, we have nothing to be ashamed of. You know, this is is not anything for us to be like, we're not going to call ourselves Black because there's this historical oppression and subjugation. That's something that other people did to us. That doesn't make us who we are. Mm. And the fact of the matter is that as we see it, like we're like one of the strongest human beings ever, Yeah, you know, to survive the things that, you know, are for our parents, our grandparents, our great, great to survive all that they survived in a system that was purposely created to destroy you yes. and to demean you and subjugate you. Then where we're like, well, we, we come from really <laughs> strong, yes. Yes, powerful exactly. people. And that is nothing to be ashamed of.
0: What are the positive changes the Dominican love Haitians movement, like what are the things you've seen that are changing and that are positive and that you get really excited about when you see that progress happening?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're really excited when we have people who reach out to us and we see new, like, like you're, for instance, Rocio and Mercedes, right? You have a podcast, uplifting Afro-Dominicans and, you know, having conversations about The not only about Dominicanness, but about, you know, everything else, you know, blackness. Right. Yeah. So we're really excited when we see people taking on their own initiatives, because the only way the system is going to change if there are people are also, you know, there's how many millions of people to get through to, you know, like Mm -hmm. each person who becomes activated themselves. Then that's new people that you can reach to unlearn and unpack this framework that we currently live in. You
1: started a really amazing movement or project, the Black Doll Project. Can you share a little bit about that or what inspired you to to have Mm. this amazing project?
2: Oh, yeah. Yes. Thank you. So when we started Dominicans of Haitians movement, the first few initiatives was bringing Dominican and Haitian poets and musicians together, Mm. intermingle that with some like historical content and then. Secondarily, we were in conversation with a friend, a photographer friend, and he was like, "One of the things that we would love to see is because every time we go and shoot photos in DR and Haiti is that we see these beautiful children, except they're all walking around with these white dolls." Mm. And he's like, "And it just breaks my heart to see them walking around with these dolls." And it was just like they don't look like them. Yeah. And so that was the impetus. That was the the beginning point of like, oh, we should you know, these young people deserve dolls that look like them. And we know how difficult it is living here in the United States. And there are difficulties in finding a black doll, right? Yeah. For some in some some neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Um, And even when you look, yeah, like most of the time they put up a wall of white dolls and it's just like, even it 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 doesn't matter what community you're in. And so we were like, okay, so if if it's difficult here, then, you know, it's difficult on the island. So let's ask people to donate dolls and so that we can send them down there. And inside of sending them a black doll, because we, you know, understand like how much that affects, impacts our self-esteem, especially as young children. Yeah. If yeah. you've ever seen the black doll test. Yes. And hearing and the recreation of the doll test, even though it was created in 1942, 1940. Yeah, I think 1942 is still very much something that is impacting us currently today. Mm-hmm. And so we saw some YouTube reenactment, reenactments of the black doll test. And it was the same conversation, like black means bad, um, white means good. And you as a black child, what do you look like? You know, like there were some that were like, I know I look like this, but I don't want to look like this. And they would point to the white doll because they don't want to be bad Mm -hmm. or they don't want to be associated with what blackness represents or what has been mean to represent. Right. Right. Right all the demeaning connotations that are false, that false narrative that has been created. And so we were like, if it's happening here, what does that look like in the Dominican Republic and in Haiti and also in Puerto Rico? And so that was, we were like, we need to change the narratives for our young people because it starts with them as well. If we can do that work with our young people to start having them see and reflect about themselves then perhaps we can have a much more just world, a just system. We do have two
0: closing questions we ask everyone. And one of them is, what are your three favorite things about Dominican culture?
2: Dominicans are funny as all hell. The things that come out of people's minds, like the things that it's just like, what? (laughs) Um, Even our thinking about our own mother, funny as all hell. A, A lot of wit, definitely the artistic capabilities, the way that we see art and the multitude of people who have created art from music, you know, everything, all aspects of it. And also our will to fight, Mm -hmm. our will to fight. Yes, because there have been many people who have fought against the systems and there are those people who are no longer with us because Mm -hmm. they fought Mm -hmm. against the system. But there are those who that spirit of fighting and freedom and liberation is within us. So yeah, those are the three things that we would name. That was awesome. Thank wow. you.
1: And our last question: how do you amplify the Afro in Afro Dominican?
2: Uh, just living our good life. <laughs> we don't need to amplify anything more than what we amplify right? right. <laughs> already. Always, always, always have, always will. It's just, yeah. it's just literally part of our nature. Like literally, like, Seventh grade, wearing a turban, like it's just who we are. Like our ancestors are always walking with us, and you know allows us and guides us in everything that we do. Uh So just living our good life and listening to our ancestors and being guided by them. That's how we amplify the Afro in our and Dominicanness, being who we are. Yeah, allowing ourselves to be who we are so that we can allow other people to be who they are as well. Mm. Yeah, that's that's how we amplify. And one of the other things that we would like to say before we close out is, yeah. you know, we are looking for people to donate to the cause. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So we had that. How can we support the movement? How can, want, how can movement?
0: anyone find you? Yes. Let us know
2: handles, website, all that stuff. Yeah. Yes, and how can we
1: support the movement? Mm-hmm. How can our followers?
2: Yes, we could. You know, we're on Instagram, Dominicans Love Haitians Movement or DR Loves Haiti. We're also on Facebook, Dominicans of Haitians Movement, YouTube as well. You can find us on YouTube. We can donate to, we have a fiscal sponsor called culturepush.org. Mm-hmm. And if you go to culturepush.org, you can find us and donate to us. And you can also, we have a website, DominicansOfPatients.com, Which is a beautiful you know, been, website, but yeah, it It's Very a gorgeous beautiful. website. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We, we would like to upgrade it again. It's time for a new upgrade. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. So that we can put more information, articles, things that would be important for people to kind of understand the history. So that which is why we're looking for funds so that we can do, you know, provide a space for all of the counter, you know, for all of the information that would support somebody in kind of unlearning for themselves. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So culturepush.org, donate to Dominicans Love Haitians movement. Or send us an email through Instagram or our website. Yeah, reach out and we can also send out the information. Well, we really do
1: love the work that you're doing and we yeah. really are excited. We definitely need to have more of these projects and movements and dialogue. Yeah. Uh, to continue this conversation because it's a much needed conversation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. And we thank you for having this conversation with us. Definitely. It's amazing. In unfortunately, because of covid <laughs> Yeah, We yeah. can't come together in the same way, but at <laughs> I least we we'll come together, you yes. know, via Zoom and yes. have these really important conversations still. So it's been a godsend that at least we're still here. We're still, yeah. we're yes. still doing what is necessary.
0: Absolutely. So yes. thank
2: you so much. I We know that you have to go. Yeah. It's, thank but you. We thank you so much for the, the time that you've taken to, to speak with us. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That was interesting. Yeah,
1: really interesting conversation. Yeah. I really like this intention
0: and the consciousness of this movement of Dominicans love Haitians. And I love that Claribel understood the confusion and illogical thinking of her mother not saying like, oh, if I would have known you were Haitian, I wouldn't have married you when they recently had an interview with them saying that that was the man of their dreams. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine how I would feel or what I would do if I heard something like that from my
1: family. Yeah, I mean, it seems like she turned poison into medicine. Yeah. You know, like she transformed that experience into a very positive one.
0: Yeah, and recognizing that, young children need to see themselves with the dolls. Yeah, too. I love that she does that. I mean,
1: I, I'm thinking about me. Like, did you have any black dolls? No. I you know what I was thinking about? I wonder how the kids in Haiti received the dolls because I mean, that's a learning curve in and of itself if you just had these white dolls or these mm-hmm. light-skinned dolls and then you get this black doll. Yeah. Do they accept it right away? Yeah. Because it is a learning curve, right? It is. Yeah. We were recently
0: talking about young people and how smart they are. And I love how Gladie Bell mentions being in Dominican Republic and these young people being like, yeah, this is weird in terms of racism and, you know, having darker skinned people being different from lighter skinned people and i love that because i do think naturally we're born Mm -hmm. perfect and we're born knowing
1: that everyone's equal
0: yeah and everything else is learned behavior you know i'm just
1: glad that there's a movement out there that is helping to bridge the gap or to support the movement of unifying dominicans and haitians yeah i agree yeah so shout out to claryville and I can't wait. I really, you know,
0: I'm looking forward. I hope in our lifetime we see the change between the two nations. That's yes. one island and like the complicated history. I hope that everyone learns that history and knows that it's frankly bullshit and that they should just unite, you know, because they'll be stronger. But like Gladys said, it is part of our history. It is. It is part of our history. But that doesn't mean that you can't change.
1: Yeah but owning that that is part of it too you know that that is part of the journey as well as owning it you know like she said but yeah look forward to seeing what else she does in her movement yeah so excited listeners make sure you follow her make sure you support her movement and make sure you follow us on yes. Rocio and Mercedes.
0: On Instagram. Yes.
1: And let us know what you thought about the episode.
0: Yeah. Don't forget Twitter is R&M Podcasts. Our email is mercedes at gmail.com. And our website is Mercedes.com.
1: Thank you so much for listening. And let's keep the conversation going. Check us out.
2: Bye. Peace out.